Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. The reality is, as we join together at times like this in our joint service, which we love, I think you can tell that, uh, I want to make a declaration that effectively over the next 12 months, we're going to double in size. We're going to double in size. And so every location just growing. You know, new plants with new life and new birth. We've planned baptisms in all those locations and we just believe in God. And so that means that we're going to need to get a bigger venue. So we're already already looking at at venues where we could go and where we can gather because we're going to outgrow every one of our buildings because we believe it's a season of multiplication. Amen. It really is. And uh, it's my joy to open up this morning a series that we're going to be speaking over the next six weeks. And um, Josh led us this morning in, in, in our team prayer time and he used this phrase which I loved and it was this is going to be a groundbreaking series and you know we trust that that will be exactly the case it will be groundbreaking because what we want to talk about today and over the next five consecutive weekends both in Ilkeston and Mansfield is we want to just encourage you to understand that it's important that we draw some circles. That'll become very clear. So for those who are taking notes, you just need to put that down and I'll help you to understand what that means. We want to help you to draw some circles. The whole series is called Draw the Circle. Draw the Circle. And today I want to talk about how we can do that. And one of the ways that we do that is by praying hard. And what I want to do this morning is leaders this is the almost like the you know the campaign this is the manifesto you know our politicians can we mention them at the moment but you know the political parties have almost a a groundbreaking speech that just carries the party forward over over a season and what we want to do is we want to draw everybody into a 40-day prayer challenge 40-day prayer challenge and uh, it's it's doable it's achievable we're not going to ask you to do anything uh, that's, that's insurmountable or, or impossible. Whatever stage you're at, wherever you are in Jesus, whatever your understanding is, I believe you can enter into this. It's, it's fully inclusive. It's not exclusive. It's not for a certain group of spiritual warriors. This is for everybody. Have you got that today? Just tap the person next to you and says, I think you said everybody. I did. Every, it's for everybody. This is for everybody. So I don't want you... I don't want you in this moment switching off because I've mentioned prayer. I want you to just lean in and just hear what we have to say because this is going to be, has the potential to be groundbreaking, yes, in the life of the church. But I want to tell you the pastoral team, the teaching team have set this up because we want it to be groundbreaking in your life. We want it to be groundbreaking for you personally, in your marriage, with your children, in your business, in your professional life. We want it to be so, so helpful. So may the Lord help us in that. You see, prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best that God can do. It really is. It's the complete difference. And I want to tell you, when, when, when God steps in, you know, it, it might take us a million years to do something, but God can do it in a day. That's the power of God. That's the power of prayer. He's able to turn situations around. I love the Bible because it just records, as I read the Bible, it just records so many impossibilities. It just seems like God delights in impossibilities. 
It's at the point of impossibility that God steps in. Read the Bible. Look at the stories. Look at the, look at the stories of Jesus. Look at the stories of the Old Testament. It's only at that point when it became impossible and when people really dropped to their knees in prayer and called out to God that God was able to break in. And I really believe that we need to be people that have a foundation of prayer. You know, someone once said, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. But I want to just flick that phrase on its head by saying this, if you don't stand on something, you'll fall for everything. If you don't stand on something, you'll fall for everything. So my question at the very start as we gather, is what are you standing on? Now, I know you're sitting at the moment. You say, is this guy for real? We're not standing. He's the one who's standing. We're sitting. Well, I'm sat on a chair. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, what is the basis of your life? I'm stood on a stage, but actually, internally, I'm standing on something. I'm standing on something. Because if we don't stand on something, we'll fall for everything. And I really believe as a church... We're calling the church this morning to stand on God, to stand on the promises of God. Can I just take your attention for a moment to Ephesians and chapter 6. If you've been around church for quite a while, you'll be really familiar with these verses, I'm I'm sure. And um, it's a, a great church pioneer leader by the name of Paul, who wrote two thirds of the New Testament, the New Bible, and um, started, you know, oodles of churches. And in the writings, the letters to the churches, he was sending pointers to them, encouragement to them, challenge to them, correction to them. He was a man who had great wisdom, insight, understanding. Actually, he's a man who'd been with Jesus. He, he, He knew God. And there was a download that came to him. And we see a very significant download that has real importance in this 21st century. It really does. Because the battle is fierce. It's tough. It's tough living out your Christianity. There are so many temptations. There are so many difficulties. There are so many situations. Am I speaking to anybody today that really, you're like you're bombarded with it. And Paul was speaking to this first century church that to be honest with you the first century mirrors the 21st century there's that much stuff going up people say oh we've never had a world like this before talk to Phil he can give you an understanding of that it's not true the first century was as depraved as this century utterly depraved and into that they brought the gospel and into that God worked and into that the church grew and into that the kingdom was coming I really believe it so I'm not one of those that oh please take us quickly I'm, I'm on the front foot I'm saying with God we can do this with God all things are possible I was confessing this morning that the church of Jesus Christ over arena the proverb says the righteous are as bold as a lion I want to you know Continue to hear a roar. There's a roar in our hearts. There really is. And Paul speaks from Ephesians in chapter 6, and this is what he says. He says, church, finally, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Look, I want you to put on the full armour of God. He uses an illustration because Roman rule was in in that place. And they understood what it was to have armour. And he breaks it down. 
Put on the full armour of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil is scheming. Verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the Romans. It's not against the Conservative Party. It's not against the Labour Party. It's not against the EU. Hello? Our struggle. It's not against that neighbour who keeps, you know, playing his music loud in the night and keeping you up. It's not those who are sending really nasty letters through. It's not those who are sending anonymous messages as we sometimes get in the church. You say, really? Yeah, we get anonymous letters as well come through. They're, they're, real, they're really bless you, actually. Do you know what happens with them when they're like that? I read a first sentence. So if you're going to send one to me, don't. Because I won't read it. Because I'll get the tone of it and then I go this. Straight in the bin. Why? Because if you have to do it anonymously, that tells me there's an issue. If anybody's got an issue, come and book an appointment and come and talk to us direct. Have you heard the word of the Lord? Thanks be to God. Okay. But it's not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers, against authorities, against the power of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We haven't got time to unpack this. I think it's something that we need to unpack in 2020 without it being weird. But let me tell you, there is dark forces at work beyond a world that we can see. And we need to win the war in the heavenlies. Verse 13, he then says, so this is how you can overcome it. Put on the full armour of God. You've got to read Ephesians 6, it tells you what that is. So that when the day of evil comes, listen, you may be able, underline this, to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, it reminds them again, to stand. So can I ask you again, what are you standing on? Because Paul here is saying we have a spiritual battle. And it's not flesh and blood. Now I understand in the context of prayer and in the context of wrestling in prayer, there are big things that are big issues in the world today. I've already mentioned one of them, Brexit. There are wars in the world. There's famine in the world. There's depravity in the world. There's political governments that are unrighteous in their dealings. There are big things that are affecting countries and millions of people. They are big things and we need to pray into those things, church. We need to stand in the gap for those. But I want to just try and drive it down to something that everybody would understand because sometimes the bigger things, we sometimes can't get our heads around because we may not be clever enough, have an understanding, or they're just beyond us in terms of faith. But I want to tell you today that God isn't just interested in the big things. He's interested in the little things. He's interested in the things that affect you. He's interested in your life, your struggles. I read this recently. God is great, not just because something is too big for him, but God is also great because nothing is too small for him. Whatever you are going through today, it is not too small for him. He is incredibly interested in even to the point of numbering the hairs upon your head. For some of you, that's an easy job. For others, that's a more difficult job. He is interested in every part of your life. He really is. And when I read this, I see that actually the call is for us to stand in prayer against those things 
against those forces, yes, that are in operation in the world, but I've also come to a realization that actually there are dark forces at world at work that are trying to cause you and trip you into sin. Now, I want to speak to some new Christians here today, but I also want to speak to some people who've been Christians. We've got some people here who've been Christians, wonderful Christians, for 60, 70 years. Why is it that sometimes our attitudes, our behaviours, our urges, there are temptations and thoughts that come to us and they come from nowhere? Am I speaking to anybody here today? I can be full of God in the morning. I'm full of Psalm 23 in the morning. I'm full of Israel Houghton and Darlene Check and Bethel music in the morning. I'm full of Jesus because I've had UCB on in the radio. I'm just full of every day with Salwyn Hughes, you know, every day with Jesus and all those. Devo- I'm just, and then all of a sudden, there's a thought that comes to my life. Then I think, where did that come from? Where did that come from? I want to tell you the only, and I have those thoughts. You may, really? We, we, we honestly thought that, you know, well, we honestly thought Phil glowed in the dark and, and, you know, angels spoke to him in the night. And I know you don't think that about me, but, um, you know, when Josh, oh, he, he prays so powerfully and, oh, he's such a man of God. He is that, but he, he can never have thoughts. Let me tell you the same temptations. They're called common temptations to man that you face, we all face. How are we going to overcome them? By knowing where we stand. And Paul says, we need to, after we've done everything to stand, we must what? Stand. I'm going to say that. After we've done everything to stand, we must. We must stand. He's encouraging us to stand with the armour of God and to stand in prayer. Now, how do we do that? Which is a great question because when I ask, develop ministry like this, I always think, well, that's great, but how do I actually do that? Well, I think there's something very powerful about knowing who you stand on. So we stand on Jesus. And today, if you have no foundation, you're just buffeted from one place to the other. You're just falling and tripping. And you know that you don't know this Jesus that we've celebrated and declared. Then at the end of our gathering together, you can know this Jesus. In fact, I absolutely guarantee if you open up your heart, you will really get to know this Jesus. He will come right in and he can change you because he's interested in people. But we have to understand today that we must stand on Jesus but also stand on the promises, prayer promises. Now, what we want to do, it's my joy to introduce this to you, that we've actually produced at the end of our time together, we've produced this draw the circle, stop, drop and pray, which we'll come into in a moment. And in the inside, it's draw some circles and then there's some pointers. And we did this as a team recently. And these are things that we've just drew in our circles, just things that we are, confessing, believing for him. We want everybody to be able to have a copy, one per person, and for you to be able to just work this through. And by the way, if you need a little bit of help with that, then talk to the person who you're accountable to or to your small group leader or to those people, pastors who you know, and they'll help you 
with this because it's more than just a piece of paper. This is something you begin to write and you begin to draw the circle. You begin to stand on some promises. You begin to declare what God is over your life. I want to declare this morning that God is God. You can add your amen at any time. God is faithful. God is kind. God is true. God is loving. God is strong. God loves my family. He wants me to be in good health. He loves my marriage. He's building his church. He wants to bless me. He wants me to know him more. Does anybody think they're good things to declare? It's as simple as that. Just writing some promises down in that. And every single day. You just get up and you just begin to declare it over your life. And then there's some prayers that you're believing for. You know, you might be praying for that son, that wayward son, that wayward daughter, your husband to come to faith. You might be praying for that business that you wanted to grow, that deal. You begin to put it down, begin to say, God, I'm going to circle this in prayer. You know, in the areas, those people who are going to Belper, give us a shout. Come on, a few of you. Yeah, begin to circle. God, we're believing in Belper. We're drawing a circle around Belper. We're believing that God is going to touch Belper, the Mansfield people here today. There's about four of you, okay. The Mansfield people here today. Bit better, okay. You draw some circles, what we're believing. You understand, we draw a circle. Here's a, here's, a, here's a personal one, and I want to encourage you to come to the positive pairing if you've got kiddies or, because we're going to go through the ages. We're going to go through babies, toddlers, and teenagers. And every one of them brings challenges. Can I hear an amen? Okay, some of you know what I'm talking about. But this is a personal thing that we've drew circles around our kids. If I was to ask our kids, what is one prayer that we've prayed over you? They'd identify four words. They'd be happy, they'd be healthy, they'd be confident, and they'd love Jesus. They're four prayers that we have prayed when they're in the womb. I used to do this. Lord, cause these babies to be happy, healthy, confident, love Jesus. Every birthday card, they get it on the card. We speak it over them. We pray over them. These are circles that we are drew. And I just want to say this. I honestly believe, you may say something different, all of our kids are all of those things. Now, let me tell you, that isn't by chance. That is by intentional praying that these would be those things. And many of you have raised kids who are an absolutely outstanding children that you've raised. So we want to encourage you to draw some circles. In fact, we're going to call it like this. We want you to stop, drop. Oh, sorry. Yeah, there we are. I thought I'd get a better response than that. Let me have them back. Let me have the balls back. I'm taking me, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my ball back now. And I'm, that's it. You're all a bunch of. Isaac, did you see that? Right, I'm going to do it again. Who wants to pray? Come on. Who wants to stop? Who needs to drop? That's better. Now, this is going to be absolutely lethal now. Let me have the balls back, Elliot. There we go. Well done. Bring some order to it. 
want to encourage you. <laughs> They're really at it now, okay. We want to encourage you to stop. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> want to encourage you to drop. What am I meaning? Drop to your knees. And then the third thing we want to encourage you to do is just simply pray. Just have that conversation with God around those things that you've drew over and get it out every time you come and do that. God, in this moment, I'm stopping. I've only got five minutes because the kids are about to get them out of bed and I've got to get them to school. But I'm, God, in this moment, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to drop. I'm going to pray. As you're on your way to your work, I'm going to stop. I'm going to drop. I'm going to pray. As we come on Tuesday mornings across the campuses, we're going to stop just for an hour. We're going to drop and we're going to pray. Because I really believe that if we'll pray regular, irregular things will happen on a regular basis. If you pray regularly, irregular things happen, will happen on a regular basis. You see, in this praying hard We've got to do it consistently. We've got to do it intentionality. We've got to do it joyfully. We've got to persist. We've got to be durable. We've got to be resilient in our praying. Some of you are still longing for prayers that you've prayed over some time. And I want to encourage you. I, 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 I use this illustration. You know, there's a great writer, which I'll allude to in a minute, Mark Batson. Just some great thoughts around prayer. And he reminds us it's not his thought. But our prayers don't have an expiry date on them. I often drive into, particularly Orkeston, and I'm just mindful. I won't mention them, the people who have gone before them. They're now in glory, who prayed and prayed and prayed. This church was started in 1929, and there is people who have been prayed over the decades, and we're living on the prayers. They saw something. They saw something in prayer and we're now riding the crest of that. But I want to tell us, let's not just ride their prayers. Let's plant our own prayers in the ground where they were believing for a few hundred. Let's believe for thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Let's believe for new churches to be birthed. <laughs> let's be people who pray. I was just, I just, I've got to, I've got to read this. I think I've got the time. There was a famous, for those who won't understand some of the language, we call them evangelists, those who declare the word of the Lord. Great preachers, fiery preachers, back into the 17th, 18th century by the name of Charles Finney. And uh, Charles Finney was famous in America, brought a great revival, the second awakening across America. But there's a footnote to the story. You see, Finney had an errand. His name was Daniel Nash. In the age of 48, Father Nash quit his pastorate to devote himself to full-time intercession prayer. And several weeks before Finney would visit a city, because that's what he did, they'd hire a big room and they'd declare the word of the Lord to cities across America. And Father Nash would rent a room. He'd recruit two or three intercessors in that city. So if he came to Wilkerston, he'd look out. Where are two or three prayers? Okay, will you come and join me? And they'd come and join him. 
And he began laying a prayer foundation for the revival that would follow. He'd do that a few weeks before Finney rode into town. But by the time Finney showed up, the hard work had already been done. The victory had already been secured in the spiritual realm. During one of his revivals, Finney was contacted by a woman who ran a boarding house in the town. She asked him, Brother Finney, do you know a Father Nash? He and two other men have been at my boarding house for the last three days, but I haven't eaten a bite of food. I opened the door and peeped in at them because I could hear them groaning. And I saw them down on their faces. They have been in this way for three days lying prostrate on the floor and groaning. I thought something awful must have happened to them. I was afraid to go in and didn't know what to do. Would you please come and see them? And Finney replied, no, it isn't necessary. They just have a spirit of travail in prayer. It's interesting that this man is buried, little headstone, and this is what it says. Daniel Nash, labourer with Finney, mighty in prayer. I want to encourage us to keep praying. I do believe it is groundbreaking. If the church will arise and the church will pray like never before, Josh, Phil, Julie, the guys, if we will do this, if we will lean in wherever we're at and begin to call out to God and believe God, I'm telling you, something significant will begin to happen across this M1 corridor and beyond. This is not hype. This is not, I'm not even trying to hope you up. I'm just speaking the truth. God is drawing something from us. Yeah, it's true. This book has been very, very impactful for me. It's a 40-day prayer challenge. I can't tell you. I've been around it once. I'm going around again, praying it again. And I'm not normally one for devotionals. In fact, who'd like a copy of this? Well, come, you need to run quickly to the front. The first three are going to get it. You've got to run. You've got to run. You've got to run. One. Whoa. Okay, sorry, guys. You've, 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 you've yeah, that's interesting. All ladies... Come on, you guys. Where are you flipping guys? Guys, I'm very sorry. Now, you know what we've done? You're all going to get a copy. You're all going to have a, one per family. We're going to give you one per family. But I, I will say this. The, the church leadership have thrown £2,000 at buying this for everybody in the church to get a copy of this, of this book. We believe it's so significant it will help you on your foot. So, Kath, do not worry. You're going to get a copy. Margaret, you're going to get a copy. Whoever came out, you're going to get one of these. Because we want to encourage you, but only on the basis that as a family, you're leaning and you'll pray. Husband and wife, do it together in the morning, just for 40 days. Or one has it in the morning, then one has it in the evening. Just for 40 days. And let's see what God begins to do. Because... This is what happens when people, the people of God pray collectively. I'm nearly through. I want to just show you, share a verse on the screens. 2 Chronicles 7.14. I want you to all remember 7.14. In fact, just say to the neighbour next to you, 7.14. In 2 Chronicles 7.14. What did I say? 2 Chronicles 7.14. And interestingly, Phil was, was, was talking about the consecration of the temple. This is where it is. And he says this, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. Then it goes on to say, 
my eyes will be open and my ears attentive, listen, to every prayer made in this place. Now, we don't need to come to a temple to pray. We are the temple of God. That's the New Testament teaching. That's why Phil said, we don't have to come to church. We are the church. We're people knitted together. A church is made up of people. So therefore, say, my eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to every prayer made from your heart. There's something about us coming together and humbling ourselves and calling out to God and seeking His face and turning from our wicked ways. God says, I'm going to hear you from heaven, that kind of people. I'm going to forgive your sins and I'm going to restore the fortunes of your land. I want to make a bold declaration. The politicians will not fix anything. No matter how good they are and how upright they are, there's only one person who has the power to fix the needs of this world and his name is Jesus. And he has already come to this earth, but we have the message. 2 Chronicles 7.14. 7.14. So this is my challenge to you. For 40 days, at 7.14, A.M. 7.14 a.m. We're asking you as a group of people to set your alarm clock. Even some of you will already be out to work. You'll already be in work. You're trying to get the kids sorted. I'm just encouraging you. 7.14. As from tomorrow for the next 40 days, as you get this devotional, just, it'll literally take you five minutes to, don't read it all in one go, read one per day, five minutes. And then just take a time to pray. Begin to circle those things in prayer. At 7.14, I want to tell you what will happen. We'll know that there's literally hundreds of people joining together in prayer. We'll know that there's kids praying to God. We'll know there's teenagers praying. We know there's people calling out to His, to his name. If we'll stop, drop and pray then I really believe that God will begin to do something incredible. We must understand the purpose of prayer is not to get what we want. The goal of prayer is to discern and know what God wants, what He wills. And I want to tell you in those 40 days, God will come and He will show you His will for your life. He will, you will be able to discern the will of God. You will know His kingdom mind for your life in the 40 days. And we will begin to see something happen in you and through you. And we will begin to see something happen in this church and through this church. Can I hear a big amen? But as I draw it to a close, seven things that I see from 2 Chronicles 7.14. I've got to say it again. 7.14. These are seven things very quickly they will come on the screen. Our hearts will be moved. As you enter this 40-day prayer challenge, your heart will be moved. You can find all these in 2 Chronicles 7.14. Secondly, your characters will be shaped. You'll be shaped. You'll become more like Jesus. Thirdly, our God becomes greater. Now, don't misunderstand me. How can He become any more greater? He is already great. But in your heart, you will see Him even greater. You know, this morning when I was in worship, I had a revelation to my own heart that God is even greater than I even first imagined. I saw the greatness of God. I actually saw, I had this picture, I don't know what it was, him literally tapping his feet to what we were on with. I did, I just thought, well, that's the great. I tell you what, he starts to tap his feet, there'll be earthquakes and everything else because he's powerful. 
He's the Almighty God. But I want to tell you, as we begin to enter a prayer challenge, as we begin to enter the presence of God, our God becomes greater and our tests become testimonies. Miracles begin to happen. Tests become testimonies. Every single one of us has tests. Every single one of us has challenges. But God is in the business of turning those tests into testimonies. I really believe it. Number five, our priorities will be purified. It's not that he's saying you can't enjoy going to the park with your kids. You can't enjoy date night for those who like going out with their spouses. He's not saying those things. He's not saying you can't watch a good film on Netflix. But your priorities, your heart priorities will be purified. Number six, our faith is increased. Oh my goodness, you'll begin to believe for things. You'll begin to, when somebody says, I'm not feeling well, instead of thinking, well, yeah, you need to get to the doctors. You may say, it'd be good for you to go to the doctors, but before you go, I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe in Jesus' name. The healing's going to come to your life. You know, when somebody's telling you about a situation in the family, before you start reverting to your human wisdom, you say, come on, let's pray. I'm going to believe there's going to be an almighty breakthrough in your family. Faith is increased. And lastly, 2 Chronicles, I'm going to say that again, 2 Chronicles, he said, if you will do all these things, I'll restore the fortune of your land. Your world will be changed. Your personal world, the world in which we live will be changed. And you can call me a dreamer all you want. Go on. Go ahead with it. You can call me an absolutely fanatic, crazy dude, whatever you want to put on that. But I am still wanting to declare that I am standing on the promises of God. I am drawing those circles. I am drawing them and I am consistently want to pray hard and I am believing that these things are going to happen in me and our world is going to be changed. I still believe literally not for thousands, for millions of people across the British Isles going into Europe, touched by the power of God. So I want to encourage you at 7.14 to stop, drop and pray. I want to encourage you to draw a circle and to begin to stand on the promises of God. We want to encourage you to pray hard, to not quit, to keep on praying, to join with others in prayer, in believing for God to do what He what only he can do. I've got one other verse for you before we pray. I was reading it last night. I sent it to a group of pastors that the team here are in relationship with. I know it from the NIV version because it says your labour in the Lord is not in vain. But I needed to read it from the Passion Translation. I was impacted by it. I read it again this morning and I really felt quickened, the Lord just quickened in my heart. As I was in my office, he just said to me, Christian, you read it, you sent it, but you've not reflected on it. There's some promises for Arena Church in there. Get it. So I began to just, okay, God, I need to just, so now let me read it to you. So now, beloved ones, stand firm. After you have done everything, stand firm and secure. Live your lives with an unshakable confidence. Oh, I love that. 
I am not talking arrogance. I'm talking an unshakable confidence that God is with us, that God is for us, that God is on our side. We know that we prosper and excel in every... Season. By serving the Lord. Because we are assured that our union, our togetherness with the Lord makes our labour productive with fruit that will endure. Let me tell you, the fruit that we're about to labour for is going to endure. The work in Belper is going to produce fruit. The work in the Ilkeston Hub is going to produce fruit. The work in Nottingham and Toulouse and Mansfield and Ilkeston, and I could roll on a few more campuses that are in our hearts, it is going to produce fruit and that fruit will endure. I really believe this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I wonder this morning who needs prayer. I wonder this morning who needs a miracle. I wonder this morning who needs Jesus. I wonder if we bow our heads in prayer. We're nearly through. We're going to have refreshments. You're going to get a book at the end. Stay with me, please.